From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Biden shuffles to Independence Hall in Philadelphia and breaks out the creepy red lighting to once again show how angry he is. The New York Times tells the truth about the public's less-than-enthusiastic support for gun control, and New York continues to make it hard to carry concealed even after a Supreme Court ruling. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Amanda Suffolk, nationally syndicated Second Amendment radio host with Eye on the Target Radio. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Dean. I really appreciate it. Boy, it's been a while. I had to look it up, and I think the last time that you were here was in April of 2021, so I'm not sure why I hadn't invited you back since then. Maybe well, you were just so awesome, I, I, I just couldn't take it. Or maybe I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't, know. I don't think that, that was it. But uh, it's been a while, so what have you been up to since then? Well, I guess the big thing is, is that in addition to the standard stuff that I do in the Second Amendment world that some people know, I have, I was a, um, an aerospace engineer. And so I retired from my job in April of, of this year. And, um, and so I've been working on um, flipping houses or working on houses and that kind of thing in my spare time, in addition to all the two-way work. So you're, you're doing house fix-ups. Yeah, I'm buying the worst looking house in the neighborhood. And by I mean by worst, I mean worst. And um and then taking a chainsaw to them and making them fabulous looking when I'm all done. And and you enjoy that? I do. The the mental challenge of being able to figure out how to make it look good when it when it was built in well, the one I'm working on right now was built in somewhere around nineteen hundred. So post and beam construction, nothing square, all those kind of things. Now, do you like to do that mostly to other houses or do you, do you, are you doing that kind of stuff around your own house as well? No, my husband and I built our house, but we have an underground house. So passive solar, concrete on the roof, dirt buried over top of it kind of, kind of house. And so it's... It's pretty much done. So you, you literally have, and we joke about, you know, broadcasting from the bunker. You're literally broadcasting from the bunker. Uh, we drove a bulldozer on the roof to put dirt back. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Bunker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that uh, that that sounds great. That the, the housework does not sound as great. You know, I <laughs> honestly, I... Um, I'll help people out with their stuff. I mean, I've, you know, offered somebody's doing painting or, you know, they got to put up a couple walls in the basement or whatever. And I'm, I'm all for that, but I hate to work on my own house. It's, I just, I'm, I'm in that phase where I've done stuff for a long time and I'm just done with it. I don't even want to mow the yard, Amanda. I mean, it's just, it's, 
I'm just done with it. You know, you reach a certain point when it's, you know, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's not getting any better. You're just trying to keep the boat from sinking, you know? There you go. No, I actually, this house, I took a chainsaw and cut the entire front of the house out and put in a new one. Oh, oh so now I understand. So it's the destruction that you enjoy. Oh, that, uh, well, that's fun. Yes, there is there is fun to that, but then then it is putting it back and so it looks it looks good. And I I do a lot of the stuff through Facebook Marketplace, so it's like the hunt. So it's it's all just an adventure type thing. Can you make this work? How do you make it work? Yeah. I'm more of the type who would just enjoy burning it down and watching, you know, <laughs> which is a little creepier. But, uh, yeah, I, I would enjoy the destruction part, not not so much the rebuilding part. But, yeah, you know. I did have somebody when I bought one tell me that I ought to take up smoking and drinking gasoline. If you, <laughs> if you get the, they didn't think it was salvageable. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like you're really busy, but I'm wondering – with all this that you're doing, did you have a chance to see Biden in, I don't even know what to call it, recently where he had this, what was it, a press conference, a campaign stop, or whatever it was. He was in Independence Hall calling once again for gun control. And he was referring to the H.R. 1808. We've warned people about that. and We have a an alert still on our website. And this went through the House in July, mm-hmm. and now it's uh, in the Senate. Did you have happen to see that, again, whatever that was? I, you know, I've seen snippets of it. I make it a personal hobby to not, to not allow my blood pressure to go to that extreme. And so I, so I cannot, I cannot cause myself to watch the president as he, as he does this. But I have to say that this thing from Independence Hall, who thought red backlights was a good idea? I mean, it, you know, he's the president, so it should be red, white, blue, pomp and circumstance, all patriotic, not looking like it came from the bowels of hell. Yeah, it looked like our high school production of Dracula. I I. So, and I don't blame him. I blame his people for that. I mean, because that's, those are details that the president doesn't do. He has, he has people for that. And those people should be held accountable for whatever that was, because it did not help him one bit with any message that he was trying to share to all of us. Well, he's always done this thing where he wants to act like a tough guy. You know, he talks about beating people up and punching people and whatever. And then more recently, it's the angry guy. So it's, you know, the angry uncle yelling at us about whatever. And I'm wondering if the red was because of that was, you know, it was supposed to be the fire and brimstone and Biden yelling at half the country, you know, those uh, darn MAGA Republicans, those terrorists and, and all of that. It was It was weird, though. And uh, I, I get why you wouldn't want to watch that kind of thing. You know, so I, I figure that I let other people watch it. And then they're like, watch, watch from six minutes to seven minutes, 30 seconds. Watch from, you know, 12 minutes to and and then I'll tune into those things. If there's snippets of something that that have that are applicable or have value or whatever, because I do want to kind of hear what applies to us. But, you know. One of the things that is happening, and and 
Michael Jordan, I think, put this the best when somebody was asking him why he didn't get involved in politics. And he was like, well, you know, the the right and the left both have feet and I sell shoes. So if you are the president, we all are your people. And so to single out 50 percent of the population and say bad things about them doesn't we all have feet. Right. It doesn't make sense. And um, and it and it's not going to help them or their party. Once you become the president, you're supposed to be the unifier, not not the divider. Well, and, so, he, and he promised yeah. that, didn't he? He promised he did. to be the great unifier. And I, I was trying to figure out what the point of that was, because if it's to attract voters to his side, that's not going to do it. Being yelled at is not a great campaign strategy. Mm-hmm. And if that's to bring out his base, I'm not sure how that's going to work either, given the way he was talking to people. I just think, yeah, I think you're right on when you say he just has bad advisors. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're, they're angry and they're trying to channel that through him or they're just trying to distract from all the stuff they don't want to talk about, like the recession that's not actually a recession and, you know, <laughs> immigration problems that aren't actually immigration problems and so on, you know, redefining everything. So maybe, maybe that's it. But, you know, he's doubling down, tripling down on this assault weapons ban and i mean what do you what do you think about that why are they so adamant about so-called assault weapons bans when statistics clearly show that most homicides in this country are with handguns well i think i think that this is that error in polling and so and i know that i know that there's there's been some some articles, there's a New York Times article that says about gun control being less popular than advertised. I think that they have this big flaw in polling. And so they believe that their base is um, is anti-gun. They're, they believe that their base is anti-violence. They believe that their base is anti-self-defense. And they're out of touch with it. And so, so I think that they're trying to, trying to kind of to work with that. And um, yet at the same time, when you look at the data that says that we now have 50% of the states have constitutional carry, 100% of the states have um, concealed carry. The the fact that, what is it, 37 or 39 months, month over month, that they have sold more than a million guns. And those are a million guns with 4473s attached to them. And many of the states, as they've passed concealed carry, no longer have to do a 4473. So those aren't counted. And, and so, so people are buying guns more than ever. And people are looking at it to say that that's my gun you're talking about. When you see the news and they say that there's a cache of weapons and they find three guns and a thousand rounds of ammunition, that's my trunk you're talking about. Right. It isn't it isn't anything. Well, I saw there there was this story and I don't want to get into this, but wasn't it uh, like the vice president of Argentina? There was uh, an assassination attempt Mm -hmm. and there were these really bizarre stories, uh, which if you translate them, were saying things like, you know, the the, the guy with the gun had uh, a magazine with ammunition in it. And, you know, that they, they looked in his home and he had 100 bullets. 
and they were really shocked by that. And and here, you know, we see those kind of stories all the time where, where there's where there's a cache or, you know, they talk about it as if there are all kinds of guns. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm my office is in a spare bedroom and I've got my range bag over there. There's more ammo in my range bag than what they're talking about. Well, yeah, exactly. We went to um, we went to rent a building for our firearms training school. And so I had we had to get a zoning variance to do it. And they agreed with the zoning variance, but I had to agree that I would not have more than 100 rounds of live ammunition in the building. I was like, I have more than that in my part in your parking lot right now. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's just not. So, I mean, we walked away from the deal, but non-gun people don't understand the scale. If you are someone who conceal carries, you take that responsibility seriously you train which means that you have bullets you take them to the range you shoot them you buy more and so they don't get that yeah when i was shooting bullseye it was just with uh, a 22 and you know the ups guy would roll up with his little hand trailer and you know he would dump it off in the garage and you know give me that look and i would be like hey it's just it's just 22 don't worry about it but it would be thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds mm-hmm. because I would I would practice, you know, but before the nice. matches. And you, you don't go and just shoot, you know, 10 or 20 rounds. You know, I would mm-hmm. go through several bricks of 100. Right. And you, you know, that gets used up. So, again, there's a lot of misunderstandings about, about things like that. So uh, you had mentioned this New York Times article, Amanda, and I wanted to follow up with that a little bit. And this was from... June 3rd, so it was a little while ago, but I think it kind of went under the radar. This was one of those times when they actually put out some good reporting that it was titled, Voters Say They Want Gun Control, Their Votes Say Something Different. Now, they were talking primarily about universal background checks, but the the point of the article was about how they'll come out with this polling thinking that, you know, Americans are really big on gun control and then they'll have something on the ballot that will fail. What is it that's going on there? You think it's just a different group of people who are being polled than are voting? Because um, I'm wondering, you know, this article suggested that there was this uh, thing in Maine, and according to the New York Times, 83% of Mainers, that's what they said. Is that what you call them, Mainers? That doesn't sound sound right. 83% of Mainers were expected to support a background check ballot measure back in 2016, but on election day, Maine residents voted the policy down with 52% opposing the measure. So they were talking about how, you know, these kind of things underperform by about 20 or 30%. And the theory was that was expressed in this article is people tend to support gun control in theory, but when they learn about the details, they really don't support it as much. Well, part of it has to do with how how did they ask the questions? Um, recently, recently on my show, uh, we were talking about a um, a poll that went out, and it said that that fifty two percent of the population was against um, was against mass shootings. Well, 
I'm going to say that that's wrong because 100% of the population is against mass shootings. And they literally said 52% against mass shootings. Mass shootings, right. 52% mass shootings. And so it's like, wait, wait, wait. We're all against it. But so what else was asking this question? What what was the rest of the survey? What caused 48% of the people not to trust that question? Right. That's that's really what happens. I mean, because we all are against mass shootings. We all make go about it in a completely different way. You know, I'm about shooting back. Right. Somebody else is about, you know, stripping us all of our guns before the thought police happen and somebody could do something bad. Right. It's it's that. But if you have a survey that says that, you need to stop and say, wait, 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 something is wrong with the way that this survey was put together. Because it has to pass some kind of a litmus test to begin with. And obviously that one didn't. And I think that that's what this is. When when you really start to look at it and say, you know, are you against, are you against guns used in crime? Yeah, I am, right? Am I against crime? Yes, I am. Am I against guns? No, I'm not. Right. So so it's how is the question phrased? How is it put together? And um, I knew that I, I have a friend, Laura Kippen, who does surveys and, and there's all of this. She has a darn. What is the name of it? Info logic, info, infomaniacs, something. She's out of Chicago and, she, and that, this is her career. This is her job. And we've had conversations about how difficult it is to frame a poll that actually gives you back data that has value. And so it, that's always an interesting group of people to talk to is the people who put the polls together because otherwise it's garbage in garbage out. And then they get, so then circling right back to the president, then they get bad data that they form um, concepts with and then head out going, look, everybody's behind me. And then he turns around and there's nobody standing back there. There, There's a reason. It's bad data. Yeah. I used to be uh, involved in some, it wasn't really polling, but it was, you know, these uh, focus groups and it was in the Columbus, Ohio area. This was some years ago. And, and the way that they would put these groups together is they would contact you, see if you're interested. You'd go to one and then you become part of their pool. And so they keep going back to the same pool of people. I kind of lied a little bit and because they don't want anybody from advertising. So I, I didn't admit that I was in marketing and advertising because I was just interested in the process and how they did this. And it might be, you know, that one would be on a new TV show. Another one might be on shampoo or whatever it was. But you'd get to have input on all of this stuff. And I, I found it interesting. But it was the same group of people that they would always bring back. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And they would use this group of people year after year. So I always wondered, of course, I couldn't ask, but I I, uh, I always wondered, well, how accurate is this? Or are they just generating data so that they can, you know, send their client an invoice? Right. It's a, it's a billable option that they're providing them that doesn't necessarily have, have value. I mean, you see a lot of surveys that are taken on college campuses. Well, if that's if that's your focus group, then it better be college topics or age-related topics. But I see a lot of like anti-gun surveys done on college campuses. Well, garbage in, garbage out. 
Then there are problems with, because the rules are different, uh, calling landlines and calling cell phones, because mm-hmm. there are laws about that, and who participates in the polls. You know, we right. both know that conservatives in general don't like to get involved in these polls. They don't like to talk about anything like that. And on the left, they like that a lot more. So there is a selection bias going on and who will actually participate. And then the whole thing, uh, I was just joking with someone the other day about independents, people who call themselves independents. My joke has always been an independent is a Democrat who doesn't want to admit it, (laughs) right? Because... uh, you know, you never know who people really are who are participating mm-hmm. in these polls. It's and it's a lot of it is self-selection. Online polls are some of the worst mm-hmm. because you want to go. You know, you see these little banners. Uh, you know, should uh, should Biden impose gun control? Well, who's going to respond to that? You know, it's it's not going to be an, a, a fair selection of right. people. So yeah, uh, you got you got to wonder about the uh, the data that they're actually collecting on these kind of things. Yeah. So and so I think he makes a lot of decisions based on bad data. And, you know, you statistically, when you look at data, you you need to throw out the extremes and they embrace them. (laughs) So that's we'll just say. Well, uh, then there's uh, this other big story, man. And I wanted to get your your take on this. Of course, we saw this coming. It's not a big surprise. After the U.S. Supreme Court decision in the Bruin case, which was about concealed carry or the bearing part of keep and bear, we knew that New York wasn't going to just roll over and uh, make it easy for people to carry up there. Of course, they had some new laws ready to go, and it was like maybe a week or so later, they uh, were rolling out these new rules. And so now it's a shall-issue state, but... You have to go through 16 hours of training. There's an in-person interview, which I'm sure a lot of people find pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement can comb through your social media. They want about three years worth. So, you know, a, a sheriff or a law enforcement officer is going to look at your, what, your Twitter, your Facebook page, Instagram, whatever, for the last three years to make sure you're of good moral character. I'm not sure what what that means, and there are no gun signs going up all, all over the place, Amanda. In fact, there I was. we were talking right before the podcast. They're kind of cheaping out on these signs because they have all these so-called sensitive places, but they don't have really good quality signs. It looks like just sheets and pocket protectors that they're zip-tying to uh, light poles, you know, all over, especially New York City, that are basically just saying, you know, no gun. The really weird part of this is... Apparently, all the businesses are automatically off limits there. And if you want to carry in a business, you know, a pizza shop or, you know, clothing store or whatever, the store actually has to put up a sign to say that that's okay. So, again, a lot of intimidation going on here. So, people are lining up. They're flocking by the thousands to apply. But they're saying that right now, you might wait over a year just to hand in your application. Well, and then there, there's the portion where they had said that everybody was racing to apply before the September 1 date and, and that some of the rules didn't apply to people prior to September 1. And then the governor is going, oh, no, 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 no. It is anybody who 
who hasn't been issued a license yet. So here's what I'm going to tell everybody is hang on to your hat. This is and and open your wallet because Gun Owners of America, Firearms Policy Coalition, Second Amendment Foundation, um, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, those groups are filing lawsuit after lawsuit because the Supreme Court said that that you cannot make every place a sensitive place. We're willing to uh, to listen to and hear more cases, bring them on. And so I find this whole Bruin thing. The interesting part is, is Clarence Thomas was quiet for 20 years. And when he started to speak, it was like E.F. Hutton, you know, I've, he is he is really just kind of roaring. And New York is absolutely tone deaf to what he said. And so some of the other states are like, OK, I got it. I hear you. I'm a, I'm applying it. I don't like it. I'm applying it. New York is like, la, 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 la. we don't hear you and we're going to do what we want to do. And so it's going to take New Yorkers a little more time to get through the legal system. But this this Bruin case is is big. New York is going to see it. But honestly, I think that for the next three to five years, the United States is going to see it. And I honestly believe that that as it uh, as it was written and as it stated that they're going to try to take the NFA down, you know, so it. It is going to impact the Second Amendment bigger than any case up to up to Heller, you know? Yeah, that, that's what my prediction has been because it's, it's affecting so many different rules. Heller was really basic. McDonald mm-hmm. was a follow-up, you know, to apply Heller in all the states. This one deals with the kind of stuff that, that really impacts the states because you're not just owning a firearm or having it. You're actually carrying it. And so in New York, I mean, again, we knew that they weren't going to roll over. They just don't like guns. Mm -hmm. And none of this is about fighting crime. None of them are talking about that. It's They just don't like the guns. And Governor Hochul came out, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically was complaining about her rights being stripped to, you know, block citizens from carrying guns. In other words— Imagine! Yeah, she was saying— you know how terrible it is. I've been stripped of my right to block citizens from exercising their right. That's basically right. what she was saying. So it, it and and all of this is about New York City. Let's let's not pretend that this is about New York State. This is all coming out of New York City. Uh, you know, upstate New York is going to be very very different. But New York City, they don't like guns. They never have for a long long time. They and they don't want to deal with the crime. They just they want that, what you would call, Amanda, a heuristic. If you have a gun, you're a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're bothered by the fact that, well, now they're going to actually have to consider behavior and criminal intent. In other words, they're going to have to do their job and and not just, well, he's got a gun, he's a bad guy. So they, they don't want to do that. So they're going down kicking and screaming here, and they're going to be all these lawsuits Mm-hmm. In, in fact, you had mentioned some of the organizations. NRA is also backing a lawsuit. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the name is yet. This is obviously very, very new, but they're challenging the unconstitutional carry restrictions because if you know, think this through. Let's say that you manage to get a license. Where are you going to carry it? I think Hokul also came out and and said when she was asked, "Well, where can people carry?" She said something like, well, I think there are a few streets. 
So right. you, maybe you can walk down the street, but if you can't go into a business, you can't go into public transportation, you can't go to Times Square, well, where the heck are you going to be able to carry? Right. I mean, because New York, I, I have a girlfriend who who lives in 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 the boroughs in New York, and she's a firearms trainer. And she actually has to call the police department to say that she and her gun are moving to the range. Right. And then she's going back to her house. She, we were all going to another state to take training. Her guns were not allowed to leave New York to go take training, to come back to New York. She couldn't take her guns with her. So, so, okay. Free America brought guns and loans to her when she got there. But according to the Dems, they want to, um, they would make it to where you'd have to do a 4473 and do a background check to make sure that she could have a gun, even just to loan it. I mean, so it's all it's all crazy. Their laws are made to just restrict more. Well, yeah, again, they don't like guns. And this is the thing that kind of really frustrates me because everybody knows, you know, if you go to any given town and you talk to the police, the ones who are actually in their cruisers, and you say, where's the crime happening? Where are the murders happening? They'll drive you there. They'll drive you. They'll show you the street. They'll show you the strip mall. They'll show you the neighborhood, whatever. They know, everybody knows that violent crime is highly concentrated. So if they wanted to fight violence, they could certainly put more resources into it. But a lot of these states, especially New York, want to focus on the firearms rather than on the criminals themselves. And at the same time, they're wanting to go really easy on some of these violent criminals, you know, with the bail reform, having low bail or no bail or letting people out before their, their time is up and violent criminals getting back on the street, committing crimes again, sometimes before they've even gone to court. And it doesn't make any sense. So clearly, to me, Amanda, my theory is this is just a cultural thing. They're okay with the crime. They're just not okay with the guns and who owns them? So, yeah. So it depends on, you know, you can you can commit a crime. You just can't commit a crime with a gun. Right. Is that is that where it is? So you can commit a crime with a truck or with a knife or a sledgehammer, but not with a gun. Yeah, I think that if I went to New York and I ran someone down with with a car on the sidewalk, I would not be viewed as bad as someone who just shot somebody on the sidewalk. I, I, and I, that makes no sense to me. I mean, violence and crime should be, should be the thing that we are worried about and working against, not the tool used. Well, it's just easier, isn't it? Because it's always easier to deal with a thing than it is, is to deal with behavior, which is what crime is. Crime is all about behavior. How do we control bad behavior or what do we do with people who behave badly? And it, right. and it becomes a real thicket, you know, uh, politically, because I guess Democrats think, well, a lot of our folks are committing crimes. You know, we don't want to sound too nasty because we want them to vote for us. So let's focus on the guns because the guns are, you know, those, uh, for the most part, right, middle-aged, fat, white guys uh, with beards or whatever in the Midwest. And we don't care about them. So well, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, and I don't, I don't think you're wrong. And um, and I think that there's groups of people that say that, you know, per capita, when you look at it, it's it's groups that are involved. I mean, frankly, it's gangs. 
there is a huge amount of crime that is gang related. And so then when you look at who joins a gang, how are the gangs structured? Then all of a sudden there are focus groups that look at it and say, well, that gang looks like me and you can't punish them, whatever that group is. And it's like, stop the gangs. And when you were talking about the, the crimes in specific neighborhoods, I read somewhere one time that in the space of a, of a township that, that size, that there are like five townships that are, you know, so let's say that they're five miles square. Okay. Something, something like that. There were five of those five miles square spaces within the United States that have the lion's share of the crime. So if you went in and skinned out officers everywhere else and put them in those five spaces, you could reduce crime like by 40%. Well, but then you'd be profiling and you wouldn't Mm be uh, putting your resources out evenly because a lot of the dialogue about this is that crime is random. I've heard people testify at the state house where they're literally suggesting that if you have a gun, you are a murderer, a mass murderer in waiting. You're just one trigger pull away from becoming the next mass killer because the, you know, it's because it's about the gun, the gun causes the crime. So we need to take away the guns to get rid of the crime, but uh, none of it makes sense when you examine it. I, again, that's why I think it's a cultural issue. It goes back to my, uh, my icky theory. I think they just think that guns are icky and they don't want to have anything to do with those icky guns or the icky people who own them. Yeah, there you go. So, um, so Amanda, I know that you have your own radio show. Why don't you tell people where people can listen to you? Okay, yeah, I I do a TV show on Friday nights called Women for Gun Rights that's on the Ops Lens channel. And then I do um, my nationally syndicated radio show Sunday nights from 5 to 7 p.m. And so it's called Eye on the Target Radio, E-Y-E, Eye on the Target Radio. And um, one other thing that I wanted to, to tell you was that I received a letter that I have made it through the nomination process to be in in the election process for board of directors for the NRA. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see it, but congratulations. Yeah, I am I am thrilled. This is one of my retirement bucket lists is saying now I have time and I would like to be able to give back and supporting and and helping the NRA is is one of the one of the ways that that I believe that I could have value. So are you uh how are you campaigning for this? Because you don't you have to get a lot of signatures? No, that that would be if I ran by petition. So I was nominated through the nominating committee. So I will be on the ballot that comes out in the magazines in February. And um, so now it's just to let people know that to look for my name when they get their ballots in February. And so it's for people who have been have been NRA members for five years continuously or that have been a life member for five years or more. And those are the people who are voting, voting members. And so hopefully, hopefully enough of them know my name, know my voice and see me in some of the stuff that I'm doing that, that they, that they agree that I have some value and some things that I can share with the NRA. Well, congratulations on that. Hope that uh, turns out for you. 
And uh, Amanda, I wanted to thank you for being here on the podcast. We'll try not to make it quite as long as uh, as last time. So uh, let us know if you have some uh, stuff you want to share with us here on the podcast. Okay, we'll do. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in the next month. That is the Gun Rights Policy Conference is happening in, in Dallas. The DC Project Group is going to DC the middle of September. And um, so, yeah, there's there's stuff happening, really good Second Amendment stuff happening kind of all over September, October is like it, everybody got locked down for so long that it all got jammed together in like a six, a six week wave that is just going to be jam packed. Well, uh, thanks for being on the podcast again, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Dean. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.